talk about revolution That's going a little bit too far So love me, love me, love me I'm a liberal Hello, and welcome once again to more like The Worst Wing. I'm Stu. And I'm Dave. Today we'll be discussing the 13th episode of the first season of Aaron Sorkin's seminal TV show, The West Wing. Today's episode being entitled, Take Out the Trash Day. This is sort of the episode title is a reference to the penchant of the press department to chuck a bunch of uh, what would be considered, uh, I guess, unessential news items into and, one big release on Fridays. Also less than glowing items, items yes. that might paint the administration <laughs> in a negative light. Yes, and because, as they insist, nobody reads the newspaper on Saturdays, which is both a delightfully arcane and, if I kind of remember correctly, definitely accurate observation. I mean, half, half of that statement is still very true. Nobody reads. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody reads newspapers on any day. We said on our podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, so this episode, uh, the main topics are... President Bartlett and his staff are debating the appropriate response to a controversial new sex education study. Uh, there are fears that the parents of a murdered gay teenager, this is the uh, L- Lowell uh, Lydell, Lydell, Lowell yeah. Lydell um, character that we had discussed in episodes previous, um, the, his, pa- his parents uh, have a come to the signing of the hate crimes legislation bill, and there's the possibility of not having them attend because they're worried about the father's embarrassment about his son's homosexuality. And finally, Josh and Sam meet with an appropriation subcommittee, which is investigating Josh's lack of cooperation in the White House staff drug probe, uh, which basically ties back to Leo and his pill addiction again. Uh, And finally, in another minor plot, Toby uh, is fighting for PBS funding. Yeah, which I... Was that... Part of the episode was sort of entirely in a vacuum. It's like right. we just want to. It's just like I have I have a meeting with some people about this. About this, <laughs> and oh, okay. I will do it, and I will own them in that meeting, and then it will be resolved. Yeah, and you know, little nice little vignette here, and that's it. See and you then later. Uh, there's also just a throwaway tiny thing about uh, the president's daughter going to a class with a sociology professor who's saying some wacko stuff. Yeah, and I think actually just to kind of dig in on this immediately, your point about how the episode the episode almost gets bogged down by a bunch of right. minor pointless shit is almost and a meta commentary on I think on it's their... done intentionally. I really no truly shit. do. I think it's thematically being done here of like so you get all of these tiny minor plots that I've just described and you're like, "Well, who cares?" And I think that's kind of the point is it's its own take out the trash day of we're just wrapping up all these little minor things and shoving them out the door. It's like, it's trying to be thematic of look how easy it is to get bogged down by such minor things. If you take them super seriously. Yeah. And even within sort of as a, um, as a gosh, what's the word I'm looking for as like a representative of the administration. CJ actually does get very like emotionally bogged down. Right, in the course it's something of this that episode. should have been an, a, an, a, such a minor thing in the grand scheme of things. Yes. But it ends up having an oversized impact, and, and that's arguably what all of this episode is about. So I, I really actually think that 
I want to say that's intentional because I think that's some actually good thematic writing. Well, and so we also I also noted that I mean this is a 100% Sorkin credited episode and yes. fr- frankly and it shows tell. I mean it, the it's dude really is, well written. Yeah. yeah, it's incredible. There are some points in this that we'll get to eventually where it's just it it takes a it takes a pretty <laughs> a pretty strong brain, <laughs> a pretty good brain to write this <laughs> Yeah. This sort of stuff. And he does it in this episode. So, yeah, you know, positive feelings. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, we the first thing we get is this sex education report gets thrown around of like, hey, you got to read this. They're talking about the naughty bits in it. <laughs> and uh, so uh, CJ, when getting handed it, actually complains about having to stay late, uh, which I noted is super rare on this show because normally they they do their overwork with a smile and, and you know I serve at the pleasure of the president and that kind of thing. Uh, CJ actually notes the work life imbalance and that it is having a negative effect on her personal life, which again <laughs> means that CJ is the best character for she is one of the rare and few to point this out. Yeah, because we are, and especially, again, given that she is written to be particularly sympathetic to the audience, it's a stark contrast to how usually the administrative workers are like, I'm, it is, it is valuable that I do not care about Remember that the in service of the admin. The first shot we ever see of Josh Lyman's character is him asleep at his desk from overwork. So, yep. And that's that's a positive statement on this show. <laughs> yeah. Um, Let's see. So it moves into sort of just like there's there's a throwaway appearance from Mandy at the front. Yeah. Um, they get into a little bit of an awkward like tee hee hee thing about the sex ed standards plan and they call it everything but because yeah. by by contrast of. With of uh, abstinence, abstinence only. Plus, no, well, it was abstinence only is the obviously the bad policy. Uh, the report recommends something called abstinence plus, um, which I assume is to mean ideally you should be abstinent, but if not, you should be safe, um, which is sort of the the better w- way of teaching sex ed. Which then Sam <laughs> changes to everything but, uh, showing his progressive bona fides as being a advocate of ass eating. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Sa- Everything B U T T. Sam Seaborn was way ahead of the times. So. Yeah. And I've, I said here, if it wasn't clear from Laurie's interaction with him, we know that Sam fucks. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of ass eating, we find out that Josh likes his hamburgers burnt to a crisp, uh, to the level of being a hockey puck when they hit the floor. Uh, further proving that he is just the worst person ever. Like just completely, completely inhuman. I want, <laughs> I want you to all remember that when like he's dating later on in the season and stuff like that. Like if he, when he goes out with Amy Gardner, he's ordering his hamburgers super well done. How embarrassing is that for her? <laughs> <laughs> Again, we we are the we are the savants like, and in like fancy, the power brokers in fancy of the world. DC restaurants where yeah. they're being seen by all their contemporaries, <laughs> and he's ordering his food to. Be be cooked like a child likes it <laughs> and does he get ketchup uh, on it yeah. <laughs> who knows so there's uh, a bit more uh, just kind of like tension between cj and danny again as all these stories are sort of circulating around with cj yeah. the their this, relationship becomes sort of like a dubious thing yeah um, this is a this is 
we get a lot of CJ Danny here since this is a heavy press focused episode since it is all about the titular take out the trash day uh, moment which we get at the end of the episode where CJ is actually dumping all the trash stories so it heavily focuses on the press the White House's relationship to the press you know the, the entire concept of needing a take out the trash day day and what that says about what the White House is doing to the American people in terms of messaging and misleading them, all these sorts of things. So we get a lot of CJ and Danny, um, and also they are also the proxy to talk about uh, the one of the other major plots, which is the Lowell Lydell uh, parent situation, where CJ keeps coming to Danny for his opinion on can a father be ashamed of his gay son? Yeah. And so they kind of go through this stuff. and But we also see, and again, sort of an interesting, almost like meta commentary and stuff. There is a weird intersection of the where the information flows in the White House. Because we do get a scene with like a gaggle of five henpecking, all female, of course, assistants. Yeah. Like chattering and gossiping outside the Oval Office about... Yeah. Like this minor sort of thing. It's like a some dude took a helicopter ride on the taxpayer's dime to play golf or some garbage. It's right. like a throwaway plot point here, but they go in and Mrs. Landingham comes out and chides them. Right, like for, <laughs> for you all, you like, all work on. for very important people. <laughs> and Josh comes in. He's like, "Well, there's a bunch of federal employees." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. God Just damn like, it! Like, don't take two minutes to talk to each other in in, in your office job. And ha- so this eventually goes down where Donna has strong suspicions about like the source of this leak, and so she goes to uh, Toby and and Sam and says like, "Hey, like, uh, the, I think this is where this leak comes from." Right, and that becomes important Initial, a little bit. Initially, later on. they think it's a leak about the helicopter story. Yes, the throwaway keep, story. Yeah, the throwaway story. Right. God, there's a lot going on in this episode. <laughs> there is, but it's all it's all mostly minor. Uh, yeah, it's pretty than, superficial. Other than like the couple major beats we get toward the end of the episode. Yeah. Um. So sa- meanwhile, Sam and Josh, uh, go to the hill to uh, talk with a uh, House of Representatives um, committee member, uh, who's gonna determine whether or not there's gonna be a hearing into Leo's situation with the pills and the booze. And everything. Uh, so Sam and Josh go to basically offer a deal. Uh, we find out toward the end of the episode that later on their deal is burying the uh, sex education report uh, until after the midterms. Yep, in exchange um, for keeping Leo from it, being like officially investigated by the House committee. Right. Uh, which, as I'm. F- I'm not positive about this, but I'm pretty sure he ends up getting investigated anyway. Yeah, eventually. And eventually. So, yeah, and then that that's sort of just like, it wraps up real quickly. Um, we also get a scene with this uh, throwaway character named Simon Bly. Very weird. Who comes Very- in to talk to Leo about the situation because Leo's like, I need some counseling. And the president, I think, rightly says like, the, like, Motherfucker, I could counsel you. Right. Like any of your family could counsel you. What the hell? This guy apparently this yeah, guy's like all the burned people you in who the have past. Been, all the people who have been with you through the good times and the bad, and you just want to call up a guy who left the, the, the yeah. second things got bad. 
Yeah, and it's and then nothing happens. Like the exact thing that you happens. expect. Well, the exact thing that you expect would happen happens. He's like he fucks it up. He he basically lets slip to Leo that he's already publishing a story mm-hmm. about him, and Leo of course gets pissed off. But it's like, come on, dude, what do you expect would happen? And I think it's all about like that and Leo frankly, is this trusting. Is, well, yeah, and it's it's frankly, I think it speaks to the issue that we've been discussing almost every episode from here on. It's it's literally trying to give Leo a little bit more personality. Yeah. I'm thinking like the writers had a focus group, like here's and a friend, had some feedback, like to be like, oh, well, actually, Leo has human relationships with real other people. Yeah, uh, we, we do get a we get some moments with Leo's friends in future episodes, and none of them are particularly great people either. <laughs> um, because I recall he one of them he has a friend who like made fake bids for like military industrial complex or cheated on them somehow or something like that. So Leo's friends are not a, a not a good yeah, group. Not, not a from, great crew. Aside from any of the one main characters that we actually know. Yeah, and then towards the end of the episode, so we'll we'll get down, we'll dig in on each of these things individually. There's a very uh, extremely what I think just a marvelous piece of television where the Lydell situation uh, is wrapped up with CJ yes. and Mandy yeah. and Lowell Lydell's parents. Um, <clears throat> Toby, I guess, continues to own the PBS, the, the chuds who want to shut down PBS or whatever. And yeah. Then, with no yeah. actual resolution of it, yeah, but well, you know, other than I, you an know. implied win for Toby because he, you know, owned them super hard. Yeah, with with some good with some good rhetoric and, and yeah. talking points. So then we get the Leo storyline is wrapped up at the end by Paris Geller from Gilmore Girls. What up? Yeah. Um, and then there is finally kind of like the the titular take out the trash day, during which we find out that CJ is obligated to bury the sex ed report in favor of keeping Leo's name out of the headlines, basically. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that, that come, that summarizes all the craziness that happens in this episode. Now let's take a uh, deeper dive into these topics after the break. So this episode actually, um, it touches on a few social issues that the show has not wrestled with in its current course as of yet and frankly it's very of the times in the way that they sort of deal with it because looking back at it from a 2018 perspective one would be forgiven for being surprised that like a democratic administration is squeamish talking about sexual education lgbtq rights yeah any of those topics because it, they have since assumed kind of the mantle of being the defender and champion of those type of issues but in 1999, unsurprisingly, there are still a whole lot of um, moral hang-ups. Right. If you view if you view this on, as a piece of its time of an extension of the Clinton White House, it becomes a lot more clear um, as to the the reticent uh, the retins. Reticence, reticence, sure. Yeah, we'll go with that. Uh, (laughs) Of the of this White House to kind of like jump in with both feet, you know, firmly into the camp of uh, of defending these kinds of rights. Um, But you know, with Clinton's, Clinton was very, very third way about these kinds of issues and very hands off and not wanting to take a firm stance because they viewed it as uh, dividing the country. Well, and it's when I when I think about it, it's also just to briefly touch on the Clinton thing. It, it's sort of interesting that he actually, even before the the nominal scandal with Lewinsky broke, 
they were tacking very third way about these issues. And then, fucking surprise, surprise, he got burned by this shit anyway. It's like, it's, it's indelible in my memory that they really were constantly compromising. And then it was just like, it is an avatar of what happens when the fucking Democrats do something like this. Like, oh, you know, we're going to, we're going to be real accommodating to you whack jobs on the religious right. And then they just, they, they get, it blows up in their face anyway. Right. It's like, you can't stop stepping on these fucking rakes. Right. Uh, yeah, trying to preemptively compromise solves nothing. They're always going to accuse you of being lefty, commie, socialists, <laughs> gay-loving, whatevers, you know. So don't don't get in your own way to to make it even harder on yourself. Yeah, and so the, the Lowell Lydell thing has been building it's, for it's, several episodes. So it's, this is a perfect example this of this, yes. where the White House has gotten it on, in it on its own way. So throughout the entire episode, uh, CJ is getting concern expressed to her about, hey, the father has not been like super talkative and super pro-hate crimes bill, and her, her response has always been like, well, his kid was just murdered, which is, <laughs> of course, the correct response. It's like, who gives a shit? Come on. Like, uh, yeah, okay, if he's not the most enthusiastic dude in the world right now, that's understandable. Yeah, he's probably experiencing some significant mental anguish. So, but they want to they meet with them just to be sure that, you know, it's not going to be like a press issue, that he's not going to like blow up or freak out or anything like that so they go to meet with him and beforehand cj cj is firmly in this dude's camp from the get-go i want to point that out leo is the first one to bring it up in a very projecting way that he assumes that just because this dude lives in the midwest and is a dentist that he would be ashamed of having a gay son and he said he literally says he says there's a thing, it's like not even like more than five words, it's like there's a thing with fathers and sons, CJ. Right. It's like, oh, is that what there it's is? It's super projecting. And you like, fucking... you, you could just tell if Leo had a gay kid, like, oof, poor, uh, poor Leo, yeah. poor hypothetical Leo's gay <laughs> yeah, kid. God, God forbid Mallory was a yeah. lesbian. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, so, and that, that works out where CJ is very much, she is taking the correct stance right. on it. She is in the dude's camp from the get-go. But because of all this pressure brought to her, she interviews this guy and, you know, goes to him and says, and it's clearly not her words that she's saying, but asks him, hey, were you embarrassed because your son is gay? And the dude has one of, and we're going to need to get the clip here. I, yeah. um, I want the whole thing, really, uh, yeah. where he just lays it out. And let's just listen. I don't understand how this president, who I voted for, I don't understand how he can take such a completely weak-ass position on gay rights. Gays in the military, same-sex marriage, gay adoption, boards of education. Where the hell is he? I want to know what quality necessary to being a parent the president feels my son lacked. I want to know from this president who has served not one day in uniform. I had two tours in Vietnam. I want to know what quality necessary to being a soldier this president feels my son lacked. Lady, I'm not embarrassed that my son was gay. My government is. And that that's amazing. 
that's great writing. That's, you know, I love any time this show actually takes this administration a task for being weak ass on shit like this. It's well, fantastic. It, it, I think, and I, I wrote, the structure of the whole scene is really good because you yes. said that it's clear that CJ is not saying her own words here. And Allison Janney does a, a perfect job of expressing it. And what's interesting here is that for what is... Uh, a very emotional sort of denouement between these people. There's no fucking music mm-hmm. in the background. There's no cues to the audience to feel like, oh, we'll feel this way. Right. Or like, this is the correct we thing just, here. We get like a nice gentle push, but that's it. Like, no no huge dramatic tricks of like, the music tells you what to feel in this moment. <laughs> yeah, uh, which is I, something we're going to see a lot going forward, particularly in the post-Sorkin years. <laughs> Yeah, where where it's it's almost forced on you. This which is, is when the well, this is when Sorkin had enough faith to let the writing stand for itself, and, and also frankly, I think let the audience um, experience yeah. it and and almost come to their own conclusion because this is, I don't know, and f- for me for me personally, like this is an issue that I have I in my life, you know, everyone sort of has this journey around the gay rights issue if you're not if you're not right thinking out the gate as i was when i was say 15 i was a lapsed catholic or whatever this experience is something that you hope if you engage with an issue i don't know emotionally intellectually however you come around to it you hope that your conclusion can be articulated in this way that is just so I don't know. It's it's pitch perfect and like just the the way that you hope everyone can like feel or think correctly right. about these issues. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, just the the concept of just empathy, and it feels like there's a good chunk of our population that just wasn't taught empathy the right way. Um, where they just can't understand that you know people are just human like you, and and so we have to make these like sort of weird moral appeals in our media like this to try to convince the these people you know (laughs) well and the and the it also it also um it takes a step back and doesn't bucket the issue into a conservative correct yeah liberal frame where it's just like that it's explicitly puts the conflict between someone who is you know somewhat atomized here and the liberal government, frame. right? It who is... has been effectively ignoring these issues, uh, as the entire point of this episode is to ignore issues, and ultimately, <laughs> this issue specifically gets ignored because they are just disinvited from attending the signing of the bill. Yep, and the the the, the wrap up with, of course, the the fucking like the mercenary political operative position. Um, prevails <laughs> here, yeah. and it's and it's Mandy being like, "Well, gotta gotta ask them." <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, I'm a tremendous asshole. So here yeah, we go. And, and CJ, even <laughs> though even though CJ understands ultimately which way the coin has to fall on this, does make the emotional appeal of like maybe he should be allowed to say what he just said to me because it's so powerful and so moving. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and she she as always is portrayed as sort of the. The moral compass of the administration, which I don't know, it's I, I I go back and forth on whether I actually really appreciate that because so often I mean she's it's better that we it's better that we have one than don't I guess at least yeah. the viewpoint gets out there yeah 
And like, you know, this scene, I've, I've seen this show four or five times at this point. This scene always ambushes me and gets me with a little tear in my eye because it's really fucking good. Like if you're going to watch, if I was going to put up a highlights reel of the West Wing kind of absent any, you know, necessarily political evaluation of it, this scene is like easily top five yeah. for me. Uh, not not all the ones on uh, YouTube of like, Toby owns this yeah. guy <laughs> or whatever, which, is, which are actually terrible. And yeah. like Toby talking about how free trade stops wars and whatever, um, but yeah. yeah, that that sums up um, the the uh, gay the gay rights the Lydell thing and, and the it lo- doesn't Lowell Lydell angle just like, of this episode. And I want to emphasize also that it sums it up in the way that it just kind of quietly goes away. Right again, <laughs> and like I said, the ultimate point of this episode is burying things that don't matter. Uh, yeah, which is just, it's really disappointing because we are, again, at, faced with the the fundamental thing that we find distasteful about this show, is that it articulates these issues and then s- just steamrolls it under the rug right. and we're done. Does like, nothing. We don't hear about it. Does we, nothing, accomplishes nothing. They, they f- never accomplish anything in the fiction of the show. It's ridiculous. One of our next major things that the episode wraps up here towards the end after the Lowell Lydell thing is the leak situation from before. So the initial leak is about um, this advance man. You know, an advance man is someone who scouts locations in advance for, you know, VIPs. This is the vice president's advance man. Goes to Pebble Beach, ties up like four hours of a Navy helicopter's time because he wants to shoot 18 holes of golf. Uh, and the story gets leaked, and so they're tracing the source of the leak, we get some stuff where Donna, where Donna thinks she understands where the leak is coming from. Turns out this is all a huge setup because it's not really about that, because of course, who cares about that? Which is, which is great, because one of your, one of your notes care. is like, who cares about this? Like, what do I care about a guy shooting 18 holes of golf? Well, it turns out no one in the White House cares either. Yeah. Uh, they were just using it to get to the actual leak, uh, which was about Leo's pill um, thing and his time in rehab coming out to Lillianfield. Um, and so they have identified the leaker, and it is... Um, I never watched Gilmore Girls, so, I, I, so I'm familiar with the, you know... The, a- the actress plays um, Rory Gilmore's uh, I know her friend. as I know her as Bonnie from How to Get Away with Murder. I don't even know what that is, so uh, you got that one up is, on me there. That's a Shonda, Shonda Rhyme show oh, nice. um, about a... Uh, uh, law professor and her law students and murder most foul. <laughs> um, entertaining in its first season kind of went downhill after that. I've stopped watching since Holy then. Holy shit. But, so the actress's name is is Liza Weil and she was in fucking Stir of Echoes with Kevin Bacon. A movie I haven't oh. thought about in 20 years. <laughs> never never seen it. Okay. But cool that she has a one degree Kevin Bacon Yes she does. <laughs> which is super useful for the Kevin Bacon game, so listeners make note. Um, so anyway, she is the leaker of Leo's uh, the personnel medical file. record. Yeah. yeah, his personnel file with the medical records of his rehab time, um, which is going to cause a huge scandal for Leo and everything like that. So uh, Sam, after finding out that that is, you know, that's confirmed, immediately fires her because, of course... Because that's what you do in this kind of situation. She leaked a major, you know, thing that's bad for the administration. She should be out on her ass. So he goes and tells her to clear out her office. 
and you know he doesn't like yell at her or anything. He just he's you know, extremely. But you, can tell, you can tell he's upset. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you can tell he's upset, and you can tell like he wants to rip into her. I feel like, but he doesn't. Um, so credit where credit's due for Sam, but then, so she's got her, you know, nice prop box full of stuff that signifies I'm fired fired, on television. (laughs) Yeah. Um, by the way, anytime I've been fired, they ship that shit to me. So just (laughs) FYI writers, the verisimilitude of that scene does not play out in a modern context. Uh, but she's got her television box full of fired stuff and is walking out of the White House when she walks by Leo's or Leo requests to see her, I think. Yeah. Um, because he's like, hey, I wanted to meet you face to face to so that you could see, you know, the person who you harmed. Like, by I'm, I'm a story. real person. I'm not just a. Name. Yeah. Like, and I thought that was fine and really yes. effective at first. And I was super on Leo's side of like, yes, bring her in and like shame her a little bit with like, hey, I'm a human and you hurt me. Like, you know, that's fine. But then through the course of the conversation, okay, this conversation gets me so angry on two different levels. First off, she's a real idiot and can't figure out why an alcoholic would like alcohol. Um, and is just, like, perplexed by the idea of, but, but why would you drink a lot? Don't you know drinking a lot is bad? Like... Oh my god. And then, so second of all, through the course of this conversation, Leo kind of turns around on her and goes from, hey, you damn leaker, you hurt me, to uh, maybe we should give this young, honest, brave lady a second chance. (laughs) (laughs) Which, oh my god. You can't. Holy shit. The, uh... he, he thinks, okay, he thinks it's brave that she leaked this information because she thought he was, it was a problem if he was an alcoholic and a pill popper that he was making such huge executive level country facing decisions on, you know, under the influence, which is a fair point. Uh, she doesn't know he had been clean for six and a half years or whatever he says, um, and so Leo thinks that that this is a brave thing to do, which, okay, that's stupid, but fine, Leo, go ahead and think that. But then based on that, decides to rehire her. Like, don't, and you can't do that. She leaked a major story. And, and we've already established it is it is explicit that she says, like, oh, well, this guy was a family friend when she's talking to Sam. And it's just like... The motive has already right. been established that it is She's not... She's going to leak anything yeah, to him now. <laughs> that it is not what you think or whatever Leo's little speechifying thing about it is. It is she is con- out for her own ass and yeah. concerned for her people. Like, yeah, it's a fa- yeah, it's a family friend, and she wanted to help out her. Like she's gonna help him out again. Like he's this guy's. Oh, this guy's career is gonna take off because <laughs> he now he's just got a prime White House source that's gonna leak everything Ugh. to him. And oh man, it's, it's just very it's television. Just, it is very like it's so. It's so. I get like I get the thematic point of it of like look how much of a bigger man Leo is that he's able to take this person who has attacked him in such a way that has caused such damage to his mighty career and reputation, and he's able to be the bigger man and let bygones be bygones, and you know. But that's you, not yeah. how this works. You could you could have said and done all that, and then just had her walk out of the office, kind of like head held high and never come back 
Hell, and he could you know have what? Done that. This could have been a great way to tie in the worthless Simon Bly character. He could have been like, now you can't work in the White House again, but I have friends on the outside, yes. including my friend Simon Bly, who's going to hire you to be a nice six-figure consultant somewhere. And like that could have been the way yep. of being the bigger man. But like you know, while still understanding, hey, you can't work in the White House anymore. Like you're, I pre- I appreciate your gumption, but your gumption is a threat to the well-being of everyone around me. <laughs> So, yes. <laughs> so, uh, gosh, I guess the only option I have is to give you your job back. <laughs> oh my God! It's and this is you know this is again where the show will go out of its way to humanize its enemies. You know, not that this woman is necessarily an enemy per se, but like you know, she is definitely a problem in terms of running a smooth White House. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Sorry. He's just such I, a I smart political I, operative that. I had to get a lot off my chest with that one. I was fine with this episode the entire way through, and then that bit happens literally like in the last three minutes of the episode, and I was just like, I went from zero to a hundred in a fucking yeah, heartbeat. I'm, I'm getting all caps messages on Discord all of a sudden, like, what the fuck? <laughs> you can't hire her back. Uh, uh, yeah. All right, so let's let's wrap up with the the last little couple of topics here, and then we'll uh, be done. There's a couple other things that were more minor about this episode. The first one that, I mean, obviously plays throughout but isn't a tremendous deal is <laughs> President Bartlett's relationship with um, sex ed and oh, how, yeah. he's a, how he's a giant fucking prude. Like he's a super um, <laughs> prude for some reason. <laughs> and like where he's like, the boy touches the girls. Well, I won't I'm say that I'm not going to say that word. It's like, okay, look, I having having been a Catholic for a certain portion of my past, okay, maybe this is like his super Catholicism coming I to guess. play where they're extremely conservative about sex stuff, but it's just so funny to, I don't know, like you can't, you cannot make, and this, honestly, we've made no progress on this since this fucking episode aired. You cannot make real decisions about these issues if you are physically unwilling to to say to use the word vagina the and penis yeah, yeah like the penis like calm down oh my yeah just like C- can it's we just all talk about this like adults like <laughs> the the show treats it like we're all have to be giggling teenagers the second the topic sex is mentioned even in an academic context of sexual education yeah, and the the issue that they're wrestling with is almost orthogonal to what the actual conflict is because it's the funding for new teachers, mm-hmm. not for new sexual education right. curricula. Right, but there's a rider on. It's been wrested into the control of the Republicans. Right, where because they, they say make we're it not going to do it. Only. Uh, exactly. We're not going to give you the funding unless you make it all abstinence only sex education. And yeah. so even by having to dive in on that turf you're again you're sort of already seeding terrain in the argument to these fucking chuds and their complete unwillingness to face the reality of the basic human condition right and like like i said there's there's no discussion of like a counter argument of like let's just go back and try to ram the funding through anyway you know there's no discussion of like let's you know let's try let's yeah, let's do a thing where this is. We can say that this is not germane to the content of this bill or right. whatever. Just there's it's immediate thing, and um, I was gonna say this kind of this personally is a big thing for me because, like I said, my wife used to do this work in fucking South Carolina, so you can believe how easy it is to talk about sexual education 
in one of the reddest states in the country. Oh, I can only but imagine. <laughs> and it's just like we're, we are still having these arguments. And at this point, we have we have an entire new generation of people who are languishing under the same stilted, um, illiberal, non-academic approach to this issue. And it is just, it's infuriating that the nominal liberal lion in this show is such a fucking puss yeah. about yeah. sexual education. And again, this is something the show will go to time and time again of trading away accomplishing anything to get a politically expedient goal done in this case midterm elections you know yeah more important that we secure midterm elections than actually accomplish anything yeah and more important we stay in power than do anything with our power (laughs) yep exactly you know it's it's a team sport so Mm -hmm. you know go our team if we if we keep those seats we win Right, like, uh, and then we can right. get around to the doing of stuff. I don't know when <laughs> at, at in some our la- point. in our last year when Leo writes three sixty five on a whiteboard <laughs> in a real intimidating way, you know, yes. like yeah, so inspirational. <laughs> well, and this actually almost ties directly into um, the overall thing that I took away from the episode about the manipulation of the flow of information from the administration to the people. I thought there was an interesting parallel to be drawn between that phenomenon of the press secretary and her relationship with reporters, news outlets on behalf of the White House, and almost sort of the writing of the show and its relationship with the viewers, because we are, it it is very choosy and selective about the framing of information that it puts out, that it assumes the viewer, or actually I don't, demands that the viewer cares about and stays on board with. So. It's an interesting bit of manipulation where I think and I think you you mentioning this in the past has brought my thinking around about it where the protagonist is it is literally it is foisted upon the viewer as yeah, you are inherently, expected. Inherently, inherently you're gonna sympathize with the protagonist of the show no matter who they are as a person, you know, like I said, with the breaking bad Walter White kind of thing of like you know, not everyone loves Walter White, but you are, since he is the protagonist, you're inherently sort of rooting for him in a weird way to succeed because we always want protagonists to succeed in our stories. Yep. And I think the show navigates that space in an interesting, I'm not, it's not necessarily, I don't have a criticism of it necessarily, but the fact that um, the show makes heavy use of CJ specifically in her position as a press secretary right. to put that parallel out there because she is actually being negatively affected by the show's issues right. in that way as a protagonist is pretty interesting to me. I yeah. just thought it was... And this is a very CJ-heavy episode since it is so focused on the press and everything like that, which is also probably why it has been one of the better episodes that we've watched. Um, also, just for the record, it, all of these stories seem so quaint in a post-Twitter world. <laughs> None of them would get more than, like, ten likes and two retweets. You know, like, they would be buried by something that happened an hour later. Yeah, and, like, the issues they're concerned about for the midterm elections in this in the show, it's like, oh, saying penis or vagina on TV, and today it's like, Oh, the uh, extra extrajudicial murder squads that are going to be going around after the elections, like killing black people in the streets. <laughs> oh, but wait, what was that about something about PBS funding? Yeah. 
Oh no, what a story. Oh my goodness, what a scoop. <laughs> um, and that mostly wraps up this episode. You got any f- final thoughts? Not particularly, other than, you know, everybody out there who's listening, stay safe on Tuesday and Wednesday yeah. and from here on out. Yeah, um, if you want to vote, great. If not, I get it. Uh, I'm not here to lecture you one way or the other. Uh, and yeah, this that wraps up this particular episode of More Like The Worst Wing. Uh, thank you again for listening and joining us. Uh, we'll be back next time with the 14th episode, Take This Sabbath Day, uh, which deals with the death penalty and the stain Ooh. of execution of a federal prisoner. Um, so that should, be, that should be fun and exciting. Uh, again, I've been Dave. He has been Stu. Uh, you can reach us on the Something Awful forums in our thread, or if you found this another way, and I don't know how, but I would love to learn, <laughs> uh, please feel free to drop us a quick line at theworstwing69 at gmail.com. Nice. Nice. <laughs> and, uh, and We will feel talk free. to you. We'll catch you all later. You have, later. Uh, have a good week. Bye. All the money you ask for, but don't ask me to come on over.